What's good, everybody? It's your man, the myth, the legend, the voice. And I had the distinct pleasure of teaching Bible class for Relationship Church this past Wednesday. I recorded it and wanted to share it with you. I titled it Self-Reliance based on the theme uh, throughout the passage that we're studying, which is Luke chapter 18 verses 9 through about 34 I kind of kept coming up as we were going through and studying it so I pray that it blesses you take care Bible class on this evening and we are picking back up in Luke Luke chapter 18 Last week, Ryan spoke about uh, the first couple verses within uh, that chapter after we had prayer, uh, speaking about the uh, parable of the persistent widow, which was a picture of how praying and praying without ceasing touches the heart of God. That if consistently asking a wicked man that doesn't fear God would move him to make changes that us reaching to the heart of God and let's see something here us reaching uh, us reaching towards the heart of God in prayer that it moves him much more so than it would uh, some wicked man who does not honor or have uh, have a fear of God all right, so again, in picking back up, we're going to start with verse 9 of that chapter. So verse 9 says, he also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. All right, so he was speaking this parable specifically to those who were trusting in themselves um, as far as their righteousness was concerned and not only trusting in themselves but then despise look down upon others all right verse 10 says two men went up to pray one a pharisee and the other a tax collector the pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself God I thank you that I'm not like other men extortioners unjust adulterers or even this tax collector I fast twice a week I give tithes to all that I possess I'm, I'm sorry I give tithes of all that I possess and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eye to heaven but beat his breast saying God be merciful to me a sinner I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. All right, let's look at this passage uh, scripture by scripture. So in looking at uh, verses 9 and 10, you know, just asking you. So you don't have if you have some answers, feel free uh, to put those in chat. But, you know, just thinking within yourself, what do we know about 
Pharisees. What do we know, you know, about them? You know, there are a number of different things that the Bible says about Pharisees, but what, what do we really know about Pharisees? I see something in the chat here, I believe. So let me see if I can. Uh, all right. Oh, no, no worries. No worries. Uh, thank God for mute buttons. I, I was able to catch it. So that uh, that's perfectly fine. But what do we know about Pharisees? We know that they were the ones that were behind Jesus uh, being killed. We know that uh, they were religious leaders of the day. Uh, but the, the term itself, Pharisee, means the separate one, set apart, which that's another term that's used for holy is set apart or sanctified I should say it's set apart so that thought process is not necessarily a bad one to be separated to be set apart and they actually started off as a group of people who were looking to follow God's law explicitly and they came to prominence as those who fought against a king who was seeking to destroy the Jewish faith uh, they were just regular people. They weren't necessarily, uh, you know, kings or, or descendants of uh, of royalty or priests. Generally, they were not priests. Now, uh, Annas and, and Caiaphas may be an exception to this as they were in league with the Pharisees to help uh, take Jesus out. But for the most part, they weren't priests. The reason being is that the priesthood was wicked. You know, they, they utilized it for their own uh, wicked gain. Uh, they utilize it to to manipulate people, you know, like we see, unfortunately, with uh, some people in the church today, some leaders in the church today. Uh, it's not a new thing. It's something that uh, took place as far back as, as the first uh, couple of priests. But anyway, that that's what had plagued the priest at that time frame. Uh, they were serious about tithing and ritual purity. Of all the 613 laws, the, the ones re, uh, regarding that, that's really where they put much of their focus. And because the priesthood was so wicked, instead of listening to the priest or looking to the priest for an explanation of the word as they should have, as the priest will put there for the purpose of reading and explaining the word, instead of looking to the priest, they looked toward the scribes. The ones who physically sat down and wrote it out for interpretation of the scriptures. And, you know, that that's understandable. You're, you're talking to someone who's getting it straight from the source, who's reading it and going over it and, and uh, just agonizing over it by writing it uh, by hand for someone else to read. Uh, they should have a knowledge of that, but they were not the ones that God put in place for the purpose of leading the people, for the purpose of explaining the scriptures. However, these are the people that the Pharisees leaned on. Again, this is a really important uh, picture for us to keep in mind that those of us, well, all of us are God's priesthood. We're all uh, called to spread the good news of the gospel. So it's really important that we're doing the things that we're supposed to do and leading the lives that we're supposed to so that people don't go looking in other places for what God has placed in us to the people. All right. Um, Pharisees took 
their walk so seriously that they wouldn't even eat at the home of someone who wasn't a Pharisee because they were concerned that, oh, is this food going to be ritually pure? Did they do everything they were supposed to do? Is there something about what they're doing that's going to defile me? They would not associate with anybody who wasn't a Pharisee. That's why oftentimes when Jesus was speaking to the people, you saw the Pharisees on the outside. Like, oh, I can't get too close. If I get too close to you, you might defile me. You know, all about ensuring that, again, they, they were ritually pure. Um, so th this is kind of who the, the Pharisees are. This is the mindset of the Pharisees, someone who is seeking very, very diligently, very religiously to be ritually pure. Now, we know from Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 6, that the Pharisees like to stand and pray in the synagogues and that they like to be on the corners and pray where people can see them. But in this scripture, it said that the Pharisee stood alone. There's no one around him. His boys weren't there. He was there by himself. Yet he was still praying aloud. And not only did he pray aloud, or he, he prayed some kind of prayer. I mean, <laughs> he really thought highly of himself. Stood there and said, you know, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Now, that's in and of itself is not bad. You know, Lord, I thank you for, for, for helping me to, um, to do right and, and to be right. But again, he was coming from a position of self-righteousness, a position of uh, of being above the others. You know, I'm, I'm not uh, an extortioner. I'm not greedy. You know, I'm not uh, trying to cheat people and beat them out of their money, which, OK, no, we shouldn't uh, be doing those things. Uh, but still, again, he was coming from a place of self-righteousness and not looking to God. Uh, you know, then, you know, talks about, yeah, you know, and I, I'm not unjust and we should not be unjust. You know, we should should look to do the things that the Lord says. The Lord commands us to follow all of his statutes and to fear the Lord, um, you know, and, and, and to look to him, you know, righteous. We need to be righteous, that our righteousness um, or I should say that righteousness will be ours if we carefully follow every one of the commands before the Lord our God as he has commanded us this is uh, from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6 uh, verses 24 through 25 and this really kind of encapsulates how the Pharisees got to where they got as far as doing the things that they were doing and being uh, or I should say feeling as if they were superior because of the things they were doing the Lord said that if we follow his statutes uh, that he will make us righteous but it's he that makes us righteous not our following uh per se or i should say our following alone that makes us righteous we have to view it through the proper lens and uh jeremiah 17 verse 5 helps us with seeing the proper way to view this uh says this is what the lord says the man who trusts in mankind who makes human flesh his strength and turns his heart from the Lord is cursed, which is what the Pharisees were doing. They trusted in their own ability, in the things that they were doing to make themselves right. And in doing so, they were trusting in their flesh. Their hearts were being turned away from the Lord, even though they were godly things. Their hearts were not God. Their hearts were turned away from God and turned to themselves and thus forth uh, brought a curse 
upon themselves. Now, you know, again, we're, we're not to be greedy. You know, Paul tells us that. He also reminds us in First um, Corinthians 6 and 9 that we're not to be unrighteous because the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. In Hebrews 13, 4, he tells us that uh, God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Uh, then he, you know, so all the things that the tax collector was talking about, you know, I'm not uh, unjust. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not an adulterer. All those things, not being that, that was good. And the Bible tells us not to. But then he brings in a tax collector. Now, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not be a tax collector. You know, but he he puts the tax collector in the same bucket as these other people. And he's doing this aloud. He is saying this out loud, knowing that this tax collector is there. Because he even says, I, you know, I'm, I'm not like these even uh even like this tax collector it's like man that that is really bold of you to be praying and throwing shade at people at the same time in public it's just it's like crazy but this again shows the heart of the pharisee uh that's being portrayed in this parable you know he says i fast twice a week i give a tithe of all that i possess you know but again his heart was not right now why would he start talking about a tax collector and putting a tax collector in the same boat as the extortioners and the unjust and the adulterers why would he put them in that same boat well tax collectors weren't looked upon very favorably and they're not looked upon favorably now i mean if the irs came knocking at your door you got a call from the irs you're like uh okay uh, yes and how can i help you and why are you talking to me you know, we, we generally are not happy to hear about, you know, tax collectors, even the process of filing our taxes, which many of us uh, will begin to do in just a couple of days. Yeah, you know, we may like the return, but the actual process of doing it, eh, not so much. You know, I said we, we'll start it in a couple of days. Yeah, we might start collecting the documents. But unfortunately, many of us will wait until the 15th of April uh, to submit said tax uh, documents. But anyway, I, I digress. It, but it shows how much when it comes to taxes, we kind of uh, we, we're, we're cool on taxes and the people who collect them. So, you know, that that's part of the whole thing. You know, they, they it was a tax collector. But they had a couple different reasons to be despised. It wasn't like they were today. One, these tax collectors were collecting taxes for Rome. And Rome was over uh, the region of Judea where the people were at that time. Uh, so the fact that you're working for the people that are over us, that we're not able to rule ourselves anymore, but we're under the thumb of a ruling party, you know, it made, made them feel some kind of way. You know, it's like you, you're reminding us that the freedoms that we once had, we don't have anymore. The freedoms we had as a king, you know, you're kind of putting that in our face as being one who's collecting taxes for Rome. And these taxes were going directly to the emperor. They weren't like going to the region to help build up uh, the region. It was stri going straight to the uh, to the emperor. So it's like you're taking out this money for the emperor. You know, you're a sellout. Not only were they working for the man, but the religious leaders like the Pharisees viewed tax collectors as unclean because of the fact that they were associated with the Gentiles. You working hand in hand, lockstep with the Gentiles. 
that in and of itself to the religious leaders at that time made them unclean or caused them caused them to be viewed as unclean so you know it's kind of making a bit more sense why he would say you know like this tax collector when you're talking about extortioners unjust and adulterers well you you know you're kind of richly unclean because of the work that you do um now as you go through and you read this scripture in different versions you may see the word publican in place of tax collector they're really kind of two different things a publican was a position that was obtained by primarily rich people who paid for the right to collect taxes for uh the roman government and they used that as a means to get even richer you know we even see that uh today with some of our politicians using uh their position to uh, gain further riches um but the publicans though were often roman citizens they were uh citizens of rome they were uh of roman descent they were not jewish now zacchaeus may be the one exception to that as being a jew who was a actual tax uh was actual uh publican but for the most part the people who are called publicans within the bible they're not really publicans they are indeed just tax collectors they're the foot soldiers the ones that do the dirty work and go out in the community and get the the monies uh to bring them in either again for the uh the roman government directly or uh doing tolls and and different taxes of that nature uh to keep the the region up but either way it goes they were the foot soldiers so you kind of think of them as i don't know it's a probably a bad uh analogy but kind of like a drug dealer you're making money by exploiting your own community because not only did they do the dirty work of getting the money they were often overcharged and pocket the rest so you know they, they were really kind of despicable people in the eyes of the uh of the jewish nation at that time so you know th this is part of the reason why he kind of lumped the tax collector in with all the other sinful people that he talked about earlier and then again he goes on to pat himself on the back i fast twice a week that's great that that is great we know that that the that the the hypocrites and the pharisees were often uh referred to as hypocrites but that the hypocrites would when they fast they look all disheveled they wouldn't wouldn't put any uh lotion on their face just face ashy lips all chapped uh hair all undone just looking terrible so i was oh i'm i'm fasting oh look at him he's look at him he's just putting everything aside and fasting that's wonderful the bible says that that you got your reward because you're making what should be done secretly open but you know we're we're told in that same scripture it talks about how the hypocrites fast to wash your face you know brush your teeth put put some some uh some deodorant on you know clean yourself up and, and don't look like you're suffering do it in secret and those who do it secretly the lord will reward openly you know and then again he says i tithe okay again that's a great practice it's something that we encourage here at relationship church it's beneficial for believers because it helps us with keeping the right heart posture when it comes to money but he wasn't doing it to have the right heart 
posture. He was doing it for, for the attaboy. Look, I, I, yes, I have tied this, not tied that. Oh, you're such a good, uh, upright person. Again, much of it was for ritual purity and for the outward appearance of ritual purity. Uh, I talked a while back about the hypocrites and how the uh, scripture says they're like a whitewashed sepulcher. Yeah, on the outside, everything looks good, but on the inside, you know, where the heart is, it's full of dead man's bones and rotten, uh, maggot-filled flesh and, yeah, all that kind of not-so-good stuff. But anyway, he was talking bad about the sax collector and about those other people and was comparing himself. So he felt that he was righteous by judging his actions versus the actions of the others. However, the tax collector, he knew who he was. He knew his need for God so much so that he wouldn't even lift up his eyes toward heaven to as he was praying his his head was was cast down his eyes were cast down and all he could do was just just think about it and beat on his chest like i am a wretched man and i need you he fully understood his need for a savior and likewise as we're going on throughout our lives and you know the lord has saved us and he's delivered us He's given us victory over a number of different areas. We are all uh, working to be made perfect, to be made complete. We're all still fighting against the things of this world, fighting against our flesh and our fleshly desires. You know, likewise, we need to keep that same kind of mindset that this uh, tax collector had. Lord, I need you. I fully need you. I, I cannot do this without you. I need your help. Have mercy upon me. And, you know, maybe it's that you're not aware of what your shortcomings are. Ask the Lord to show you. Lord, please help me to see the areas that I need to be more like you. Because, again, as long as we live on this earth, we are going to have to fight. This is the reason that his mercies are made new every morning. We wouldn't need him to keep away from us, or I should say keep back the penalty of sin daily and provide them for us new daily if the opportunity to fall like that was not there. All right. So uh, let us continue. Where are my notes? Um, just because the lord has given us these mercies and things let's not live crazy oh well you know lord gave me grace and you know and i got it no hebrews 12 14 tells us to make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy uh, without which no man shall see god so we need to do all that we can to be holy try hard to be holy do what's in our power but remember that it's god who makes us holy it's him that makes us righteous it's not our own actions which is where uh this this pharisee got caught up he thought it was because of him that's what leads to self-righteousness is thinking that what you do makes you righteous and holy you can do and, and be holy by doing the things that the lord says but it's him that gives you that holiness it's him that calls you righteous that calls you holy uh think about abraham 
Genesis, it says that God credited Abraham's faith unto him as righteousness. Even though Abraham had the faith and we know that we're saved by grace through faith, it is God that credits that as our righteousness. It's God that takes that faith and calls it holy and causes that faith to uh, allow him to work within us and to make us right. The Pharisee also played a comparison game. We kind of talked about that, how, you know, he thought he was better uh, than everyone else. He created and, and crafted this framework where he could establish his own righteousness by saying, as long as I do these things and I'm better than these people, then that makes me what I need to be. Again, we're to do our best and believe God and trust him to take care of the rest. But it's not our sacrifices that make us righteous. It's Christ's sacrifice that makes us righteous and him imparting his righteousness to us. Let's not be like the uh, the Pharisee and exalt ourselves and lift ourselves up and praise ourselves. Look at me, I, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Okay, that's great. But without God, we're nothing. Without him working through us, we're nothing. Our righteousness is a filthy, bloody, nasty, disgusting, stinking rag. And the things we do don't add anything to our righteousness. It's him that calls us righteous. All right, let's go on and read a bit more back in Luke chapter 18. We're going to read verses 15 through 17. And it says, they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Now, I've read this scripture many times, probably uh, quoted it. I think it was a part of the uh, Abeka alphabet that I had to memorize as a child but I didn't until going back and, and studying over it for this lesson I didn't even pay as close attention to the fact that it said infant that they were bringing him arm babies for him to bless just in my flesh I can understand where the disciples would come from it's like oh come on man these people that need to be healed you know, this lady over here is, is blind. You know, uh, we're trying to get somewhere so that he can raise somebody from the dead. What you bring this baby for? Come on, man. But the Lord said, no, no, uh-uh. He, he rebuked them. No, let the little children come to me. Let the parents bring that infant to me. And, and that word used for infant there uh, can mean unborn. It can mean fetus, infant, newborn, etc. Let them bring those itty bitty babies to me. Why? Because you must accept the kingdom of God the same way this little child does. How can an infant, an orange baby, a, you know, a newborn, how can they do anything? Well, they really can't. They depend wholeheartedly upon their parents for everything. And that's what Jesus is saying. If we are not leaning on God for every single thing, looking to him for uh, his leadership and his guidance 
in everything we cannot receive the kingdom of God think about someone like David David's a great example of this and specifically his uh, his going after his loved ones and uh, all of the loved ones of uh, his army when they got back to Ziklag and it was burned down me? okay I, I get home somebody then stole my kids they burned up my house I'm riding I'm, I'm going to find something and we're getting ready to find out where these kids are and where my family is and, and you know where my stuff is and heads are gonna roll that's just me in my natural self David stopped and prayed and said Lord do we go after these people and if we do will we get everything back why would you have to stop and pray about that well for david especially in that case they had been marching for days just to get back to ziklag if they kept marching after that to go find everybody and they went the wrong way they could die everyone could die and on top of that they were trying to kill david because they were mad about all this now let me take it upon myself to go lead these people out somewhere and not be led by god and you know we're we're in the middle of nowhere that's my life and probably the lives of my people and it may not even be worth it because they might be dead but the lord said no go ahead you'll recover everything and i'm with you again that there's a great example of how we need to seek god in everything this again takes us back to the self-righteous man he was dependent upon his righteousness alone he was not being fully dependent upon God. Uh, as Jesus was saying, that's how we receive the kingdom of God is by being fully dependent and relying upon him. All right, let us continue to read. We're going to read verses 18 through 23 and then talk about them a little bit. So verse 18 says, Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your mother and father. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful because he was very rich. Now this gentleman had a lot going for him. He was a leader among the Jews and he gained this position at a young age. And not only was he a leader among the Jews, as a young man, but he was also rich as a young man and having all this power and influence. Now he's trying to qualify for eternal life. Kind of sound like making yourself righteous on your own, right? A little bit. We talked about how the Pharisees were really, really strict. You know, they, they followed, uh, you know, the law very strictly regarding ritual purity and tithe that they were heavy on doing all that well if the pharisees this small sect of jews was very strict that means that the rest of the jews 
were not as strict. They were not as uh, uh, focused on following after the law. So it made sense that this young man was asking this question because it doesn't say uh, that he was a Pharisee. But it makes sense that he was asking this question because he wants to know, okay, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? It's 613 of these. You know, do we really need to be keeping each and every one of them? How, how am I supposed to, to handle myself? How am I supposed to conduct myself so that I know that I will be able to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus kind of talked to him a little rough in the beginning. It was like, why are you calling me good? There's no one good but God. You know, what, what's all this about? Every time, I, or I shouldn't say every time, but as I've read this over the years, you know, seeing it, it just kind of rubbed me different. It's like, why is Jesus being so hard? Why being so so tough on a man? A man's trying to find out how to inherit eternal life. Well, Jesus was doing that because he was calling him good and there's no one good but God. It's like, you're called, you know, good teacher. Do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who I am? This is, you know, part of the reason why he kind of did him the way that he did. He thought he was good. You know, the, the young man thought he was good. You know, hey, you know, you told me to, to honor my mother and father and don't bear false witness and, you know, and, and you know, all that stuff. I've been doing that since I was a little boy, you know, I'm good. You know, I've practically been doing that all my life. But there was one thing that he lacked, as the Jesus told him. It was that stuff had his heart. So like the Pharisees, you know, you're doing all this stuff. But where's your heart? Is your heart truly towards God? Or is it so that people can say, oh, look how good, you, you know, this person is. You know, you're doing all this stuff for outward appearances, but your heart being far from God. Which that takes us back to, again, the Pharisees and as well as the babies. Where's your heart? What, 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 where is your heart? What, what are you looking at? Are you truly relying upon God or, or are you reliant upon the things that you can do? Bible says that he was very very sorrowful really really sad when the Lord said give up all your stuff because that's where his heart was um, let's continue reading verse 24 says and when Jesus saw that he became sorrowful he said how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, well, who can be saved then? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said to him, see, we have left all and followed you. And he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or parents or brother or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many more times in, or I should say many more times in this present time and in the age to come, eternal life. So let, let's, let's break that down a little bit. In verse 24, he's speaking about those who are trusting in riches and um, the fact that they're not trusting in God. So then just going on further uh, with it, his disciples were like, man, well, if rich people 
can't attain eternal life, then well then who can? I mean, they, they kind of got it made. Who can attain eternal life? He's saying, he didn't say that they cannot. He said it would be very difficult for them to do that. And he shared that, yeah, again, in your own power, it's kind of impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Again, going back to uh, to the beginning of, of what we read, through God and through his power, through his actions, the things that we're doing can be made possible. I should say the things that are impossible can be possible through God and through God alone, not through our own actions solely, but by God doing those things through us, giving us the strength to do it, then it can be possible. Just going back and looking at verse 29, where he said to them, assuredly, uh, no one who's left parents or brothers and all of those things for the kingdom uh, of God's sake won't receive many more times over now in the present as well as getting eternal life so you know he's saying you're gonna get a whole lot more if you've given it all up and peter in saying that look we we left it all to follow you we did what this rich man would not do and they left sizable things you you know you're leaving your boats you're leaving your houses you're leaving your family and they followed the lord he's like look you're gonna get all that back and some here on earth plus you're gonna get eternal life he didn't tell the young man that though because again much of his issue had to do with his heart stuff had his heart so for him oh you i'm gonna get more than i have now if i if i you know get rid of it and follow you oh psh, no problem i'll sell it all to the poor knowing that i'm gonna have even more and i already have a lot it's because stuff had his heart that he didn't have that information because his view of things would not have been accurate. You know, yeah, I might be home, or I should say he he really wasn't looking at it the way that he should have. If he had given it all to God, when we go back and we look at uh, what he said to him, what Jesus said to him, he said, sell it all and you'll have riches in heaven. The in heaven part, he just forgot about that he have much more where the moth and the rust and the thief can't get to it. So you have much more there than you have here. But he loved his stuff so much, he couldn't let go of what he had now for what God was going to give to him. And which just kind of brings a question to my mind and something I pose to everyone and you know just ask you to kind of ask yourself, check yourself. Lord, is there anything that I'm holding on to here that will keep me from receiving what you have for me? Is there anything that has my heart? You know, we, we need to, to search ourselves and ask him to search us as well for that. Now, this is not the only place in the scripture where this account uh, was written. It's also in Mark and in Matthew. So we're going to read through those uh, pretty quickly here and that might bring us to the end we'll see um, but if you go to Mark chapter 10 I'm going to start with verse 17 so Mark 10 and 17 is where we're going and it says now as he was going out on the road 
one came running and knelt before him. This is why reading in different versions helps you so much because it gives you a more full picture. Just different uh, perspectives, different aspects give you a fuller picture. You know, the young man didn't just come and ask him these things. He came running after him, threw himself on the ground and said, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandments. You know, you're a Jew. You know what to do. Don't commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him, see, he, he, he looked upon him with love after hearing the, the young man say, look, I've done all of this. Then he says to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. So he's letting them know not only will you have treasure in heaven, but you're going to have to deal with some stuff here too. take up your cross, take up the instrument of your own death and humiliation and follow me. But he was sad when he heard this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Verse 23, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples. Now, the previous one says it just told the, the people that were there. Now we know that he was speaking solely to his disciples. He says, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Then the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? So again, just another perspective. It's not that they, uh, or I should say here, it's saying that they were talking amongst themselves. We'll get some more information as we uh, kind of go in and read a bit further but they're saying amongst themselves who then can be saved but jesus looked at them and said with men it is impossible but with god but not with god for with god all things are possible and that that's something that stood out as i was reading through this as well with men it's impossible but not with god then comes back to say it again with God all things are possible all things are possible with God without him things are possible in man in your power going back to the Pharisee the self-righteous man in your power it's not possible but when you're trusting in me all things are possible then Peter began to say to him see we have left all and follow you and Jesus answered and said assuredly I say to you there's no one who's left house or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. So not just leaving it for me, but leaving it for the purpose of spreading the good news of peace who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. So a hundred times what you have now in this time. 
houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. So yeah, you're, you're going to get those things. You'll get all of that stuff. You're going to have persecutions too. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but you'll receive much more. Plus, you'll get eternal life. But those who are first will be last and the last first. All right, let us go to uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 29, which is where the um, which is where this account is again. Let's see what Matthew has to say about that. Yeah, Matthew chapter 19 and verses 16 through 29. I picked the wrong book. Give me just a minute. Matthew, not Malachi. All right, there we go. If we were all together, I would uh, you have to say amen. <laughs> you say amen via chat if you want to. That that's fine. I I will I wouldn't be upset. All right. So verse sixteen says, "Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, uh, what good thing shall I do?'" that I may have eternal life. So what do I need to do so I can have eternal life? Again, that, that kind of puts you in the mind of the Pharisee, the, the one who's trying to establish their own righteousness. What must I do in and of myself to have eternal life? So when he said, uh, so he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said, which ones? Again, we said it's uh, about 613 of them. Which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I've kept all these things uh, from my youth. What do I still lack? So I just kind of want to pause there. You know, he said, what else do I need? I've done all that, but still I feel like there's something that I don't quite have in order to obtain eternal life. You know, I've been doing all that pretty much all my life. What else is there that I need to do? Let's remember this man threw himself at Jesus' feet, you know, and, and, and ran to him and threw himself at his feet. And the answer that Jesus gave him was satisfactory. Well, shoot, I've done this. Yeah, you know, I, I honor my mother. You know, I'm not committing adultery. I, I'm doing all this. He could have got up and said, okay, well, cool. I'm good. And went on about his way. But he wanted to know. He was like, look, I, I, I hear that. But I need to know that I know that what I'm doing will gain eternal life for me. When we remember uh, Mark's account, it said that he... Uh, heard these things and he loved him when the young man was saying what else do i need to do it showed forth that his heart that he was really seeking the answer as far as eternal life was concerned and in love the lord told him everything that he needed he gave him the truth he was like okay here's where the rubber meets the road i don't have i don't have your heart um your stuff has your heart so he goes on to say uh if you want to be perfect so if you want to be complete 
if you want to run the, the, the course to its end, go sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished. They, their minds were blown that the Lord would say this. You know, they again, it said, you know, well, what then can a man do to be saved? Jesus said, with men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And Peter went on and answered and said, see, I've left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus uh, said to him, assuredly, okay, let me go back. Because Peter is saying things a bit differently. Now, not, not only have I given everything up, but Lord, we did all of that. So because we did that, what do we receive? So then... Jesus goes on to tell him, Surely I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So he 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 lets them know, look, because of the things that you've given, again, we we read, you know, you'll get brothers and sisters and and land and things of that nature he's telling them look you all are going to rule over each tribe of israel then he goes on to say and everyone who's left houses or brothers or sister or father mother wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life but specifically he was saying to his 12 disciples you all are going to get all of that kind of stuff plus you're going to rule over the 12 tribes of israel and then again uh, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first all right we've got a couple minutes left um let me quickly go over a uh, couple more verses in luke so luke uh go back to luke chapter 18 and we're gonna go over verses 31 through 34 and that will definitely be the end but i just want to leave some words of encouragement with you uh from that passage so luke 18 verses 31 through 34 uh where jesus is speaking about his death and resurrection um when he took the 12 aside he said to them behold we're going up to jerusalem and all things that were written by the prophets concerning the son of man will be accomplished well what things were written by the prophets uh about the son of man that'll be accomplished um he'll, verse 32 he'll be delivered to the gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spat upon or uh, and spit upon as this is i'm sorry uh they will scourge him and kill him and the third day he will rise again but they understood none of these things uh, this saying was hidden from them and they did not know the things which were spoken again what did the prophets say about him because you know what did they say about people spitting on him and all that said well first thing that came to my mind was isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 and the new living translation uh reads as such but he was pierced for our rebellion they pierced him in his side for 
our rebellion, our fighting against him. That's how the blood uh, and the water came out. And that's uh, that blood was applied for our sins to be remitted. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we would be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. We we quote that scripture often by stripes. We are healed um, in Psalms chapter 69 verse 8 says i have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children didn't the disciples um forsake him didn't they run away from him didn't they say i don't know who he is uh, peter specifically when asked yo you know weren't you with him you your accent and everything you you're a Galilean. You're one of those people that was with him. No, I'm not. I don't know the man. Stranger to my own brothers. Uh, Psalms chapter 41 verse 9 says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who I who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Judas was one of the 12. Judas was a trusted person to him. And when did the evil spirit enter into him? When did the rest of the disciples know who was the one that betrayed him? It was when the bread was given. Who ate my bread? Who he handed the bread to and said, you're the one. All these things uh, were spoken of by the prophets ahead of time. One last one. Isaiah 50 verse 6. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Jesus said, here again, you know, I'll be insulted and spat upon. And Isaiah said they were going to pull his beard out. They were going to shame him and spit on him. I I don't know about you all, but this is is such such a, a, a word of encouragement for me. The things that God says will come to pass. Isaiah was hundreds of years before Jesus' coming. But the things he spoke about came to pass because they were the words of God. So whatever God has said, it will come to pass and we can take it to the bank. We can depend upon it uh, because he's not a man. He's not like man that he would lie, neither like the son of man that he would repent. All right, that does it for uh, our lesson today. Uh, Any questions?